0: pastor once asked his church to pray. Imagine that, asking your church to pray. Well, the funny thing about this situation is this this pastor was asking his church to pray because there had been right next door to his church building, they they built a brothel, right? And so the church, the board, they got together and they were all up in arms. They didn't know. And the pastor said, hey, well, let's just pray that this brothel burns down, Right? So, so they did. They, they began to pray, and they held prayer meetings, and, and lo and behold, a couple weeks after the prayer meeting started, the brothel burned down. Now, the brothel owner, he found out that the church had been praying that his brothel would burn down, so he took the church to court In front of the judge, they both explain their situation. The brothel owner comes up and says, I am suing the church people because they prayed that my church would burn down, and lo and behold, it burned down. I've lost all my business. And the pastor at this point, he stood up and said, Whoa, 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 time out, time out, judge. Come on now, come on now. You know that that brothel didn't burn down because of our prayer. To which the judge says, that's very, very interesting, a brothel owner who believes in the power of prayer and a pastor who doesn't. Um, so that's kind of where we sit today, and I'm, I'm afraid to ask where, who, which person did you identify with, the brothel owner or the pastor? Um, you can maybe share that with your family at another time. Um, but whatever the case, fact remains is a lot of people believe in God, but they don't necessarily believe in prayer. Um, which makes following Jesus really challenging because Jesus put a lot of stock in prayer, right? He didn't make a move without praying. Every day he started his day with prayer. He ended his day with prayer and sprinkled throughout his day. If it was a tough day, he would just stop and he would retreat and he would pray. And he made it look so effortless, so natural, Right, like it was, it was just the most natural thing in the world to do. And I know when I talk to people, it's one of their greatest fears right next to stand up there like I'm doing right now and speaking to a crowd, but it's praying in front of people. That, that, that's right up there on their list of things that they're just scared to death to do. And I know our Heavenly Father is like, what? You're afraid to talk to me? because that 's really what it 's all about is we have this crazy fear of speaking to our heavenly Father, like somehow there 's just they're this crazy distance or, or we 're not sure how to address him, Daddy or Abba Father or God Almighty or Prince of Peace, everlasting Father, I mean what, uh, what do we call him? so we, we struggle, we get afraid, and we, we just we end up not even communicating with our heavenly Father, and that 's just kind of crazy now this is not going to be how do I get God to answer all my prayers? my wishes and my desires. That's not going to be that kind of a message um, because the fact of the matter is, if you're really honest with yourselves, most of our prayer struggles have nothing to do with God, per se. Um, more, than, more often than not, it really has to do with the way we view ourselves, not the way we view God, but the way we view ourselves. Many folks were brought up in churches or in traditions um, that were... <sighs> That, that taught that, and this is going to sound really, really rough. Um, there is a tradition, a church tradition out there that teaches that human beings are just stinking piles of dung. They're, we're just the worst. We're horrible. We, we will never rise above being horrible. We are just, we're just the scum, the scum of the earth. Therefore, our puny, our stinking prayers could never affect God, that could never move God to to move in our favor, to move for our desires and our wants and our wishes. That, 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 that couldn't, couldn't happen, right? They, 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 this idea is taught in, in this tradition that the, this, the immutability of God, the, the fact that God doesn't change. Um, we believe here in the Nazarene church that, that God's um, his character doesn't change. His loving character, his, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, um, that part of his character never changes. But as he works with us, like a good parent, sometimes he changes his tactics, right? He, he, is, a, he is mutable, right? He does. Our efforts and, and our love for him and our calling upon him affects him, moves him to move in our direction on our behalf. That's an amazing thing. And, again, there's this idea out there that says that He is so far above us that he wouldn't even bother listening to our prayers. In this tradition, prayer is nothing more than submissive posturing that somehow pleases God by giving him his due. Now, I I, I get that. There is aspects of that that are absolutely true, but that can't be the only picture of prayer. In this this tradition, tradition I'm speaking of the purpose of prayer is to change you, not God, because God's not going to change his mind on anything. So, this morning I want to address a few of these falsehoods that really become barriers between you and an incredibly loving Heavenly Father, right? First one I want to look at today is a lot of folks feel that they're not important enough. And again, this comes out of this tradition, this this church tradition a lot of people are raised in that, that says that we're not important enough, that God is so far above us that He would never, ever condescend to listening to our point of view, Again, and, and as we look at this, this isn't actually a, a disbelief in prayer. Um, more than that, it's a disbelief in yourself, right? This isn't, again, this, this isn't a, again, it's, it's an issue with God. It's, it's kind of an issue with how you view yourself. Um, you might ask questions like, does God really have time to care for my hurts and pains? Maybe you've asked that question. Do I want to bother the creator of the universe with my issues, will my prayers really make a difference in the grand scheme of things listen if you're worried that you're not important enough or valuable enough for god's attention and his provision i want to show you a couple passages i want to start with matthew chapter 6 this is the verse 26 this is this is this is the son of god telling you you're wrong all right just just Kind of hear him politely with love tell you you're dead wrong, all right? Look at the birds in the air, he's telling you. If you think you're not important enough, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, they do not reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And I, and you, you come to me, okay, okay, Pastor Jerry, I know he cares about my future, the big questions in life, but what about my todays? What about... The little things in life that I'm addressing just day in and day out. My kids, I'm trying to teach them math. I don't even understand it myself. And I'm at my wit's end and I I just don't see a light at the end of the tunnel and something bad's gonna happen here pretty soon. (sighs) Am I really that valuable that you would care to that degree? I read a story. Uh, This took place, it it takes place every year and, and apparently it's taking place more and more places around the world. It was started in New York. It was a group of people Um, You've heard of prom, right? This is prom season. I know a lot of you seniors in high school, this has been very difficult because you didn't get to go to prom. Um, I'll just tell you, I did, and it was a huge waste of a ton of money. That's kind of my point. Prom, as as cool as it it is, it is a phenomenal waste of of money and time and energy. The money that gets put into the limos, the, the tuxedos, the dresses, you know, all that... But on the on the other side of that coin, in, in a culture um, that puts down women, that that objectifies women, um, to to be to to grow up really really poor and then to be allowed to be really really beautiful for a day that that's important to a young girl's life. That that we might downplay it. But in her mind, in her mind's eye, at that moment, it is the most important thing in her world. So there's a group of people fully recognizing how much money is spent and how much. And, and in the morning, it's all gone. It's all gone. It's over. It's a one-night thing. And yet these people get together. They raise tons of funds, and they buy these girls prom dresses. They, Knowing full well that these prom dresses, as expensive as they are, they'll be worthless tomorrow afternoon and and yet these people do this why because these people love these young girls they love them that much that they would give them things that here today gone tomorrow here's how jesus puts it this is in verses 28 29 and why do you worry about clothes See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. All the money and the worry that Solomon put into his royal garbs hoping and assuming that somehow that would add to his value. And, and that's kind of what we do. We, we look for external things and we, we, we buy the expensive stuff and we, some, we, we hope that somehow that will add to, that will make us worthy, significant, and, and of value. And, and, and Christ is saying right now, no, 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 no. You can go spend a, a million dollars on all the fineries in the world, but that's not what gives you value. That's not what makes you valuable. You because I created you makes you valuable. You are important to me. Verse 30, it says this. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you have little faith? And again, this faith, is, it's not in God's existence, but it's in his love for you. Do you believe that God loves you? Or have you bought into this lie that he's so far above you that he doesn't want to bother with you? Because that's a lie. And if you ever hear that, walk away from it. That's not the truth. Listen to this the same verse in verse 30. This is from the message version, maybe makes it a little bit clearer. It says If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you, you of little faith? So we have no problem believing in God. We just have trouble believing that He loves us in such a deep and personal way, but He does. Tightly related to this self-image problem is kind of a different self-image problem. A lot of people, they struggle to pray because they don't feel they're important enough, and another group of people, they struggle to pray because they don't feel that they're righteous enough, right? They're not good enough people. Like, God only listens to good people and not anybody else. We read passages like James chapter 5, verse 16, and we just, we just get discouraged. Listen to this. Chapter 5, verse 16, the book of James. This is Jesus' brother. It says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, again, there's probably two groups here today. You're, you're, you're looking at that, two groups of people. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And one group of people thinks they're righteous, and the other person, the group of people doesn't think they're righteous. Just like on that video we just watched, the Pharisee, he feels like he's righteous, and he's going, oh, okay, all right, yep, that's me. Um, and and, and the, 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 other, the other poor guy, um, oh, so... <laughs> That's why I don't get my answers to prayer, because I'm not a righteous person. And he's he's humble, right? He's humble. Um, But again, if we take a closer look, this passage reveals something incredibly surprising and and something that's going to free you if you think that you're not righteous enough, all right? Watch this. This is amazing. Um, He's going to continue in the very, very next verse his description of a righteous person through whom God works miracles. Watch this. This is in verse 17. Elijah. Here's his example, right? Okay, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. So, right? He's drawing a parallel here. Um, He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Now, here's what we don't know. Here's what we we kind of, we, we, we don't read very carefully. Elijah was a righteous person, but he was deeply flawed. He's kind of one of the heroes of the faith, but like many of them, they were kind of messed up because they were human beings and they were dealing with a world that was broken and they were dealing with it as best they could and they messed up fairly regularly. Right, That's just, that, that's our Bible. If you dig into your Bible, it's just one story after another of human beings trying to do what they know they should be doing, but then, well, they love the world just a little bit too much, and they don't make Jesus their Lord and, and their and their king. They just make him their Savior. And, and they, this, this this book ceases to be an incredible story of God's incredible patience, incredible, incredible patience with us. Elijah is, a, is a, an incredible perfect example. Um, if you read, this is, this is your homework today, go home and read First Kings uh, chapter 19. Um, he gets removed from his position because he's so ungodly. And yet he's now, James is setting him up as a, an example of a righteous person, right? So he's being honest with us, right? So watch this. This is, this is what happened with Elijah. He's supposed to preach to the Israelites um, and the Israelites are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So he's basically going, okay, God, burn them. Right? You ever done that? You know, you pray for somebody and they don't listen to your prayers, they don't take your advice, and finally you just say, God, have Adam. Right? They're ignoring me, right? Lightning bolt, right, out of the sky. So th- this, is, this is exactly what Elijah was doing. He's kind of like Jonah, right? God sent Jonah to Nineveh, and, and Jonah preached at Nineveh and they wouldn't respond. And Jonah's like, okay, burn them. <laughs> and God's like, No, that, that wasn't the purpose. You're all about my judgment, but you got to look at something deeper than my judgment. My judgment is comes out of my love and my compassion. That's that's not what defines me, my wrath and my judgment. No, my wrath and my judgment is calibrated by by my love and my compassion. That's my that is who I truly, truly am. So, in the story, you go home and read this. Um, God passes by Elijah in three different forms, right? The first form is, is like an, an or a storm. And, and again, a storm in God's word always represents God's judgment. So Elijah's going, yes, a storm. Now they're going to get it. And, and the storm passes by and God wasn't in this, God wasn't in judgment. So then after the storm goes by, an earthquake happens, and I know Elijah's going, yes, now like Sodom and Gomorrah, the earth is going to open up, and it's going to swallow the Israelites because they're so bad, and, 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 it, and it passes by the earthquake, and God wasn't in the earthquake. And then finally, fire, right? This is always God's a picture of, of God's wrath and his judgment, fire, but God isn't in the fire. Elijah so wanted to see God's... Mm, wrath and and judgment, right? That's what he wanted to see, but that's really not who God is. And at the end of the story, God makes his point to him, "I, I want to forgive the Israelites. I don't want to punish them. And that's the way I work with all humanity. I don't want to punish them. That's not what I'm about. I'm not here to condemn them. I want to save them. I want to save them. The point being in this story God still did miracles through his prayers and honored him in death. A pretty broken man who wanted to see the Israelites die, right? Because I only get that way when I watch some movies, but Elijah, this was God's people. Like, oh, Elijah, whoa, whoa, you're not so good. So listen, if you think you're not righteous enough, think of Elijah. Think of Elijah, you are, you're righteous enough. Or, again, the last one here related to our perceived lack of righteousness is we feel that we're not faithful enough. Maybe, again, we read chapter 1 of James's letter, and we get discouraged. This is chapter 1, verse 6. It says, But when you ask... And everybody's kind of getting ready for when you ask, you got to have the faith of a mustard seed that can move them out. And, and, and I know everybody's mind has already moved ahead in this passage, although this passage does not mention any of that stuff. Um, we, 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 we assume that he's going to go, when we ask, we've got to line up our ducks. We've got to get everything. We've got to be on our knees. We, we've got to, you know, all this stuff's got to be everything said just right, in the right order, and, and then maybe, then then maybe. But as we look at this passage, again, incredibly surprising. And freeing. This isn't a passage that's going to beat us down for being faithless. Um, this, this passage is going to lift you up, right? So let's take a look at it. Um, we, we we got to ask ourselves, what is James referring to when you ask? And, and again, what are, what are people asking for, right? We tend to think of prayer as, as all about asking God for stuff, right? I, I need this. I need that. You know I need this. You, need, you know I need that. fact of the matter is true prayer is asking God for what he wants, right? Prayer is, as much, is really a two-way communication, it's not us asking him um, to give us what we want, but really, Father, what's on your mind, right? What are you thinking about? What do you want to see happen? And the closer we get to him, lo and behold, that's the exact same thing that we want to see happen, right? Because we're so close with him and our desires have become so intertwined with his desires that we begin to pray for the exact same things that he's seeking. And that's when we find answers to prayer. That's when we really start enjoying an incredible, incredible prayer life. This is, this is the passage right before verse 6, when James is asking, um, what, what should you ask for? This is, this is right before. This is going to kind of set us up here. It says this, um, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the mind of God. This passage, what James is saying is if you, if you want to get a yes to your prayers, if you want to get a consistent yes, 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 um, a good idea would be to seek the mind of God. What is he looking to achieve? And if you can align yourself with what he's looking to achieve, oh, man, things start to happen. Things start to happen. Basically, ask God, hey, what's on your mind? What's on your mind, God? God. And he will give generously. He will tell you what's on your mind, his mind. He will share with you what he's seeing, what he's feeling, what he's hoping you're seeing and feeling also. You will. You will have that conversation. So continuing in verse 6, the conditions of our request. Again, if we're not careful, these passages, we just walk away discouraged. It says this, verse 6, So when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Again, this is where we all get, oh, I guess I can't ask for anything because I doubt. Raise your hand in your home right now if you've ever doubted any of your prayers being answered the way you want them answered. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Be be honest. There we go. Guys in the sound booth. Bob's pretty confident. Nope. Okay. He's all right. So the question in this passage is faith in what? It is not that he exists or even that God has the power or desire to give what we're asking for. It's a matter of trust and distrust in the wisdom that we're seeking. In this particular passage, if we're taking it in context, this passage is talking about seeking the wisdom of God and then following through with it, rather than, and this is what a lot of people do, they'll seek the wisdom of God and they'll think, "Mm, that's not very advantageous to me right now. I think I will take the world's wisdom on on this one. God, I'll, I'll get back to you. Maybe you can have another shot at another dilemma a little later on today, but this one, the world's going to win. I'm going to ignore your advice. This is what this passage is talking about right here, right? Dealing with the person who consistently compares God's way with the world's way and then decides which advice will work best for that moment, right? Kind of if you can imagine um, a person moving to God's Way to the world's way, and you watch him from a distance, and it and it looks like he's he's got like a drunken stagger going on. That that's really the picture in Scripture right here—a drunken stagger. You don't know where he's going to go next. You don't know if he's going to turn to God. He's going to turn to the world. He's very undependable. A person like this. Listen to the verses immediately following. This is uh, verse six. It says, um, "Because the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea, blown and tossed by the wind." Right, The doubts are doubts in the wisdom of God and therefore decides for their own wisdom. Verse 7 and 8, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. They're double-minded, not so much that they have a devious mind. This isn't painting a picture of somebody who's deliberately working the system, um, this isn't an evil person. This is, this is you and I. This is you and I. When we, when we see somebody in need and we got a 10 spot in our pocket and we think, they need that 10 spot. I really don't need that. But boy, a burger would sound really good right now. Boy, you know what? Mm, boy. Sorry. I'll pray for you. <laughs> and then we go get ourselves a burger. That's what I'm talking about here. Right? Double-minded. Not, not devious, not evil. But one that plays the odds. Right? And they're unstable because you can't count on them to do the right thing. Have you ever worked with somebody who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ and you count on them to do the right thing and you take a second look and you saw them put something in their pocket at the store and you thought, what? And, and now suddenly you don't want to hang out with them because you don't know, you, they're going to get you in trouble, right? <laughs> they're going to get you in, in big trouble. Unstable in all they do. This is what this person, this is not a person that's doubting, does God love me? This is not a picture of a person who has this doubt in their mind, is there somebody out there who cares about me? That is not what this passage is dealing with. Not talking about that. Nor am I saying that your righteousness with God doesn't matter. Your perfection doesn't make God your genie. And this is very important for a lot of people, nor does your mess leave God to ignore you. Let me say that again. A lot of you are like the Pharisee, a lot of us. I think we all kind of visit this place occasionally where we look around and we see such a mess around us and we think, wow, I am really a righteous person. (laughs) wow wow i'm i'm really 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 doing well um god should probably answer my prayers i'm a righteous person god answers the prayers of the righteous person and then we don't get our prayers answered your perfection doesn't make god your private genie and I know we, 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 that's, a, that's your own private struggle, but for the, for the majority of us, we, we're probably on the other end of that spectrum. Uh, we're, the, we're the poor guy, you know, wouldn't even lift up his head. Um, I'm, I'm a mess, and God, why, why would you even listen to me? You know me. <laughs> you know me as well as I know me, and we both know I'm a mess. I am a rotten mess. And yet my mess... Doesn't stop you from listening to my prayers. These are what these passages are saying. The true role of righteousness in our prayers can be summed up in the Apostle John. Listen to this. This is 1 John chapter 4, verse 14. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask for anything according to his will, he will hear us. Again, the will of somebody can only be known if there is a relational connection. I cannot know my wife's will if I'm not hanging out with her. And there will be times in our lives where we're not taking our walks, we're not hanging out, and I misinterpret her will. And we get on the wrong page, and things get dicey, right? You know what I'm talking about, not being on the same page, not keeping those communication channels Wide open and clear just leads to miscommunications and and really <laughs> stupid things. <laughs> uh, too true. Um, all right. How do you know if you're praying for His will or your own will? Here's here's the question you need to ask: Is seeing and doing God's will dependent on us getting what we want? For example, I had a kid in my youth ministry. He called me one in the morning. He had been drinking, Pastor Jerry
1: why won't Jessica like
0: me? It's like, dude, hang up the phone and go to bed. But he wouldn't. He wouldn't listen to me. He wouldn't listen to anything at that point. But he was absolutely convinced that if he accepted Christ as his Savior, then Jessica would like him again. I don't know. This is not what I preached in youth group, I promise you. But he was, he was absolutely convinced that somehow if I, you know, if I do the right thing, that God will become my genie, and I'll get anything I want. And it really doesn't matter. It doesn't work that way. Again, another prayer People will. Ask ask, hey, God, if, if I win the lottery, right, if you're generous with me, I'll be generous with you. I'll give you a percentage of it, right? And we, and we get this, and see, that's, that's a prayer that's dependent on you getting what you want, and if you get what you want, then you will honor God. So you're asking yourselves, how do I know if I'm seeking God's will? Just ask yourself, right? Will I still seek him if he says no? If his will is different than my will, will I still seek him? Or will I do the drunken stagger? Oh, I'll just go with this one on this time. Oh, he won't mind because he loves to forgive and he's full of grace and mercy and forgiveness. In his gospel, John writes about the importance of that relational connection in terms of prayer that God promises to answer. Listen to this, John chapter 15. This is the gospel. A moment ago, I looked at a letter that John had written, first, second, third John. This is his gospel. John chapter 15 says this, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Now, now a lot of people will just jump to ask whatever you wish. They'll just kind of jump over that first part. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, that means if we are relationally connected, if you're seeing what I'm seeing, if you're feeling what I'm feeling, then you ask, and I'm going to give it to you because I want to see it happen worse than you do. But I'm not going to do it all by myself. I want to bless you. I want to do it through you. Because if I do it through you, your faith is increased. All the people around you, their faith is increased. Faith increases everywhere, and people give glory to me. If I do it myself then people are just amazed at me and tomorrow they're going to ask me what else am I going to do? John chapter 15, verse 7. This is a series of relational steps. The deeper into the relationship that you get, the more you're filled with the Spirit of Christ and you have His same mind and you see what He's seen, and you feel what He's feeling and you seek out what He's seeking out. The closer we live to Christ... The more we know the mind of God, the more we pray his will rather than our own, the greater the answer we receive. It's just a domino effect. Very simple, rather logical. In other words, prayer hinges on relationship, not on sinlessness. And I will take this phrase very carefully. Don't don't jump too fast. Prayer hinges on relationship, not on sinlessness. Sin affects the relationship, but sin can never define the relationship. Let me say that again. Sin affects your relationship with God, but it never defines your relationship with God. So I want to talk just very shortly here about the relationship, because that's another reason people shy away from an active, vibrant prayer life, is they don't believe that it's going to be exciting. Prayer for them is just boring. I want you to imagine just for a moment. Those of you who are married, those of you who are thinking about getting married, imagine a marriage where here's the way it worked. Once a day, I would meet with Diane. I'm going to use Diane and I as an example. I'm going to meet with her for one hour in the morning, and here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to ask you for everything that you need to be giving me, right? And at the end of the one hour, I just want you to stop talking. I'll stop talking. And then I want you to spend the day getting all the things that I just mentioned in our one hour of praying. Is that good, Diane? So at the end of the day, I'll meet with you again, and we'll meet for one hour It'll be our special hour, and I will ask you, did you get me all the things that I've told you about this morning? See, the craziest thing is that's the way we tackle our, our prayer relationship with God. We, kind, we say, oh, I meet with him for an hour, and I meet with him for an hour, and, and I love the hour things like my wife and I have shared with you. Those hour walks are super, super important. But if I came home and never said a word to her and waited till our next walk, see, here's what happens. We discuss some pretty deep stuff during that one hour, but then all that deepness kind of, it plays itself out during the rest of the day, right? It's got to find a place to land. Sometimes it lands well, sometimes it doesn't land at all. But we like, we discussed where we wanted to be at the beginning of the day. And then we, we communicate, we continue to communicate all day long. And at the end of the night, hey, where are we, right? We talked about this this morning. Did, are we still, are you still mad at me? Or, you know, whatever the conversation. And the one hour is super important, but it can't replace the continuous, the continuous, the continuous prayer. This is basically the one hour relationship, right? A lot of people, they have a one hour relationship and they, they kind of have a one hour faith, right? They kind of feel like, hey, you know, I'll, just, I'll give it that one hour, the, the, I'll, I'll pray at the altar, I'll do the, the real, real intensive prayer hour but here's what happens when you set your hour whether you set your whatever you kind of you're, you're operating under the gun at that point you're, under, you're operating under the clock so basically you, you kind of get down on your knees and it's like okay God go and, and, and I, I don't got a whole lot of time so please don't interrupt me I gotta get through my list here and you just plow through this list of everything that you need everything that you want everything that you desire and you feel like they're really good desires and they're really good wishes because a lot of them are for other people and then your prayer okay God gotta go And you feel really good. You spent a whole hour in prayer. Wow. I don't think that's the idea. And it begs the question. And I want to close with this. Why do you pray? Do you pray simply to ask and get things? Or do you pray to share and communicate? I got a great letter from Paula Benjamin this week. And I, I had sent out kind of the request to you all last week. Where do you struggle in prayer? And where did you find victory? And she really landed on this kind of thing that she has found in her life that when she prays continuously all day long, all just, it it, it becomes such a a powerful, powerful thing. Like, uh, you know, when my daughter Amanda was little, I knew, and I think God knows this too, I knew when she was coming to me asking for something, and I knew when she was coming to me just to hang out with me because her voice would take on a sing-song Daddy like it's like, "Ah, oh, you don't want to talk. Get out of here, girl. You just want something from me. I knew it, and God knows it too as soon as we break into the oh, holy father. Oh. And he's like, "Ah, oh, what do you what do you want? Just what do you want?" This is 1 Thessalonians 5:16 and 18. I want to close this with this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. As long as we regard prayer as an escape, or God is our genie, uh, we will continue to be bewildered and mystified as to why our prayers don't get answered. Because he's not an escape, and he's not a genie in a bottle. He's, he's our creator, and he wants to walk through life with us. See, when we, when we regard prayer as the way to share our lives and our cares with God, then your prayer life is going to take on a life of its own. You will not be able to control it. But that's not really what prayer is all about, right? I, I hope that's not your point in prayer is to control the relationship. Even in human circles, we find out the person who's trying to control the relationship usually destroys the relationship. So I want to encourage you this morning, if prayer has been a barrier for you, and you want to, you want to jump into this whole Jesus thing, and you want to, you want to make him your, your, your Lord and your King, not only your Savior, you want to get to know him, you, want, you don't want to just know about him. I mean, if this is you, um, I, I just want, to, I want you to take uh, Paul's suggestion um, seriously. Pray continuously. He will speak to you. He will speak to you through circumstances. He will speak to you through friends. He will speak to you through God's word. He will speak to you as you're closing your eyes and you're just thinking about him as you're reading your Bible and you're thinking, hey, how does this apply to me? His spirit will talk with you. His spirit will speak into your life. Let me, let me close. Father, thank you so much for this incredible thing called prayer where where we get to in an incredibly open-ended fashion we get to communicate with the creator of the universe that that is unparalleled when you look at the religions of the world the the, the faith stories of people this this is simply unparalleled father that you invite us to walk in the garden with you in intense moments and and just kind of throughout the day, you, you, you check in on us, and we, like like little children, we, hey, hey, Dad, you still there? You still there? You still there? And and he's always still there. He's always, I'm right here. I'm right here. So, Father, for anyone who's listening who they're struggling to follow because they, they, you seem so far away and so much more than us, Father, I pray that these passages from your word would change opinions supernaturally this morning. The power of your, your Holy Spirit, Father, changed people's minds. That you are not a vindictive, hateful, unmoved, uncaring, heavenly Father. You are Abba, Father that's what your son told us to call you i know it makes us a little bit nervous but but jesus said call you uh, call you daddy that's the only way we're we're going to understand this relationship and yes father you are again the creator of the world and we are only humans but we're valuable in your sight you told you you wrote in your word that when you created us you said very good not a eh, nice try i'll try again tomorrow but man i outdid myself today I, that was good these people are awesome so father that we would feel that love from you that 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 care that level that depth of not only the big picture but all the way down to the most minute details in our lives father you do care and you walk beside us this entire trip thank you father thank you jesus thank you the holy spirit